Yeah, guys, today we are going to play true or false. And we're going to talk about the best teams in the NFL, the best teams in the NFC. I think a lot of birds are going to come into play here. We're going to look at the best quarterback matchups coming up in week five. And the heart of our conversation today is going to revolve around the very serious issue of concussions. With me to do it all is the best in the business, Mr. Trey Wingo. Brett, what's up, buddy? How are you? Happy to be with you again. Let's go. Let's get into it. I'm very excited about all the things we have on this show, and I am locked on the camera, just so you know, so I Thank can you. just connect with you, and we're ready to roll. When you're locked on the camera, it looks like you're gazing to my eyes, and I appreciate that. <laughs> um, as we uh, Before we get into it, just want to talk about a new partnership that Pro Football Network has, and the question that we always ask all of our sports betting uh, audience members is, are you tired of tracking your bets out of messy spreadsheets or not knowing how much you've won or lost? The best news is, is with our new partner, you can download their app from Picket, which is the best bet tracking app on the market. Picket makes it easy to track your bets and connect with a community of avid sports bettors. As you all know, Trey is the Caesar Sports trend, uh, Chief Trends Officer. I do all of my bets with Caesar Sports. I sync my Caesar Sports betting profile with Picket. All my bets, everything that I do right there and then. Picket makes it easy to track those bets and then continue to communicate with the large community of sports bettors to talk about them. Sign up today using the easy code of PFN365. Sync Caesars. Sync Underdog, another fantasy app that we talk about on this show, and you can win up to $100 for free. Picket is 100% free to join and use. So, what are you waiting for? The promo code is PFN365, and you'll win up to $100 just for signing up. On this show, we talk Caesar Sports, we talk Underdog Fantasy. Link those two accounts with Picket, and we'll be good to go. Trey, segment one, baby. It is time to learn. Brian, throw it up there. Bang. True or false, Trey, the Philadelphia Eagles are the, without question, best team in the NFC right now. Well, you just put in the caveat without question, right? So, like, the original statement was the <laughs> Eagles are the best team in the NFC, right? That's right. Okay, so you, you threw that extra little spice in there. <laughs> so, I just want to be clear. Look, here's the deal. Like every week we come out with these power rankings, right? Mm -hmm. Every site has them. Every network has them. And I always find it funny when people do these power rankings because they tend to extrapolate into the future. Like, okay, well, I think this team is better because eventually I think this will happen and this team won't do this and blah, blah, blah. Well, then why do you do power rankings every week? The only point that makes any sense is to do a power ranking in the here and now. And look, I get it, for example, uh, if you say this week that, well, the Chiefs are three and one, but they lost to the Colts. So how can they be higher ranked than the Colts? Well, that's because every other game the Colts have played, they've been terrible, okay? So there's a delineation there. The point I'm trying to make to you and everybody else I'm locked onto the camera to right now is that I look at these power rankings as a week-to-week -week basis because that's the only standard by which we can measure anything. So right now, there's only one unbeaten team in all of the NFL, yep. and it's the Philadelphia Eagles. So if you don't say through four weeks they're the best team in the NFC, you're lying to yourself <laughs> and everybody lying. else. But I mean, like, no, they, people want to say, well, I think that five weeks from now or whenever. No, but we're doing it right now. Like, you have to be – in the moment, Bill Parcells, the Hall of Fame coach, used to legendarily say, you are what your record says you are. The Eagles are unbeaten. They are the only unbeaten team, not only in the NFC, but also in the NFL. So right now through October 5th, yes, the Eagles are clearly the best team in the NFC. Yeah, look, Jalen Hurts has taken such a wild progressive step forward right the biggest thing was can he evolve as a passer he's certainly uh done that this year and trey you're i mean he's done that a little bit i a mean bit, it's basically bit. about his legs more than anything else look they gave him a great secondary sure. receiver with aj brown to go along with Devonte smith but yeah like he's done just enough in the passing game but again 
That was we, better. We can, o- we can only do this in real-time scenarios. That's right. That's right. And the in the real not- time that you and I are having this conversation, they're the best team. Yeah. The question is not, do we think they're going to win the Super Bowl? It's right now, week five. Are they the best? I am pleased to say that our very own Arif Hassan, Trey, to much to your joy, does his power rankings in the correct way. It's the um, only way to do it. Like anything it. else, you're every anyway. If you do it any other way, you're discrediting the whole process. Yeah, and you can make an argument that the whole process is stupid, and I'm fine. I can, I can understand that. But if you're saying, "Well, I believe in week four that in week eight they'll be the best," then why the hell are we playing the next four games? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, I, before before we move on from the Eagles, I want to point out that you brought up a great point last season when we spent a lot of time you and I talking about Josh Allen, the Bills, and that one of the things that that the Bills did was go out and get Josh Allen a Stephon Diggs to help him improve as a passer. You touched right. a little bit on AJ Brown. As of now, through these couple of weeks, have you seen him make that level of impact that's elevating this team to the next the next level? Well, I have so much, in fact, that Devontae Smith had to show out a couple of weeks ago against the Commanders, right? Uh, A.J. Smith was by far the more dominant wide receiver of the two that they have, and that sort of spurred on Devontae Smith to step up his game. So, yeah, I I believe that the acquisition of A.J. Smith in the offseason has paid massive dividends for Harry Roseman and the Philadelphia Eagles, and I think that's going to continue. Look, everybody needs depth. Okay, and the the Eagles wide receiving core has a lot of depth right now because of the of the trade for for AJ Brown. So uh, absolutely, they're they're seeing the benefit of what they decided to do in the offseason right now. Yeah, and uh, you know, as we move off, I would I would love to note that over at Caesar Sports, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles are the third favorite to win the Super Bowl with plus seven fifty odds, and they are the betting favorite to win the NFC, which is what the heart of this question was. Um, over and, and, to, and to point that out, their, their odds have increased dramatically. Yes. Okay? Uh, they have increased dramatically since the start of the season. Their third best tied with the Bucs, uh, the only two teams in front of them, not a shock, not a surprise, are both in the AFC, the Bills and the Chiefs. Yep. Um, and again, that's that, those odds are from Caesars Sports, where, uh, of course, uh, we'll have a nice promo coming up for them. Um, in a, in a few seconds here, let's stay in the NFC East tray. Let's talk about the complete opposite end of the spectrum, uh, which is the Washington commanders last year. When we talked about this team, I would get frustrated that they didn't have a name. Well, they have a name, but that team is still a dumpster fire. Um, are they in need of a full rebuild tray? I mean, we, I feel like that's an evergreen question for this franchise. Well, it has been over the last few years. Look, you never want to pull the plug in the first week of October unless you haven't won a game and you've lost every game by 42 points. But with what the Cowboys have done with a backup quarterback to start 0-1 and then wins three straight games, the Giants, through some sort of miraculous combination of science and magic and illusion that makes no sense to me, are also 3-1. <laughs> and one. Uh, And then you have the Eagles at 4-0, the commanders are in a world of hurt right now. They got problems. They got big problems. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm a big Ron Rivera guy. I like Ron Rivera. But this organization has had, as we've alluded to many times on this show, has all kinds of issues from top to bottom. And let's, the only way I can answer this honestly, Brett, is that it's getting late early yeah. for the Washington commanders. That, that's the best way to describe it. Could they turn it around? Yes. Is it likely? Probably not. Um, you know, it's it's only the first quarter-ish of the season because we have 17 games and you can't really divide it up into four squares. But it's not looking great for the Washington Commanders right now. Yeah, absolutely. It's and, and it's um, uh, it, it's. <laughs> it's not looking great for them now. It hasn't looked great for them anywhere in the near future, and. The question is, the, the, the thought was Ron Rivera was going to come in and be this cleanser, right, in light of everything that was going on with Dan Snyder and, and his, his record was impeccable. You've said this most notably about Dan Campbell, which is that's all well and good, culture, yeah. fit, rah-rah, but eventually you need to win. 
And that's yeah. not happening here. And is it as simple, Trey? I'm going to ask this. Is it as simple as they haven't gotten the right quarterback and, and you know, uh, Carson Wentz now is not the answer? Or is it as simple as that entire thing needs to be blown up and start, started from scratch? Well, let's start with the quarterback, right? Lindsey Rhodes, who is a friend of mine and does great stuff on the SiriusXM Fantasy Show that she's on and a couple other places, the Rhodes Show that she does on her podcast. I've been a guest on a couple of times. Longtime uh, member of the NFL Network. You know, we did a week one pod together where she said, and I got to be careful to use the right language here because I don't want to get us in trouble. Uh, is it time to stop bleeping on Carson Wentz, which is a fancy way of saying, you know, pooping on Carson Wentz. Uh, and I said, yeah, for one week and we'll see what happens. And then the next three weeks played out and it's, it might be OK to poop on Carson Wentz again. Like he's not he has very little awareness in the pocket. He hasn't translated any sort of desirable skill set into positive things uh, for the Washington Commanders. So the quarterback issue is a huge one. You cannot win in this league. You cannot win. It is a it is a undeniable fact. You cannot win in this league uh, unless you have a really really solid player at quarterback. And right now Carson Wentz is proving to be right. So yeah. th that's part of it. But the other part of what you alluded to, I think, is also very important. Uh, my my good friend Mark Schlereth always says it's one thing to hire a head coach. It's another thing to empower a head coach. And in the current climate of the Washington commanders, um, do we have a situation where we believe the coach has been empowered to do whatever he feels necessary to turn them into winners? Yep. And it's like you said, um, you know, a situation where, or like, like, you know, just again, quoting the, the great Bill Parcells. Um, if you're going to, if you're going to make me cook the meal, let's let, at least let me go shop for the groceries. Correct. Um, now with the Washington commanders, I mentioned that they were on the opposite end of the spectrum from the Philadelphia Eagles and talking about whether they could win the conference, win the Super Bowl. They are so far to the other end of the spectrum that their odds to win the Super Bowl are plus 30,000. Not plus 30. Is that bad? I'm not yeah, sure. It's not great. It's not great, Bob. Um, and they have the second worst odds of any team in the league. Uh, this is again, according to Caesar sports, just ahead of the Houston Texans. And so, um, the, you know, the, the, this franchise is in such disarray. And then uh, by the way, and, and Trey, um, I think you're back with us, right? We'll, we'll, we'll pop, pop you back in here, but, um, that picture did I leave. I never felt like I left. I thought you did. I'm sorry. I'm glad you did. Okay. I'm glad you didn't. Um, my, my, I was so nauseated by the picture of Dan Snyder and Jerry Jones together on the field, um, before the game this past week. I don't, we don't have to get into the whole ins and outs of, of whether or not Dan Snyder is a good person. I think that book may have been written already. Um, but the problems with this franchise start right there. Yeah. They start right there. Well, the old line is the fish rots from the head down. Right. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so we can talk about all these other things that they want to do and all these other things that they have interest in doing. And, you know, I even wrote about it uh, for Facebook when the general manager went after a reporter for in the uh, in the in the preseason and training camp for asking a poorly worded question uh, of Carson Wentz. But it, it wasn't incorrect in terms of its subject matter and the idea that a uh, that a sitting general manager of a NFL team would take to Twitter to blatantly attack someone uh, yeah. who did because he didn't like the wording of a question was ridiculously uh, childish. Yeah, amateur. It's, yeah. Amateur. It speaks to the. It speaks to what we're talking about. Like exactly. he's getting his cues from Daniel Snyder, who once, when Mike Nolan was the defensive coordinator, Nolan walked into his uh, his offense. Uh, excuse me, his office one day after a game and saw a, uh, a melting pint of vanilla ice cream on his desk because Dan Snyder had told Mike Nolan, I don't like vanilla defenses. And that was his really cool way of backing up his point. So if that's where the top of the organizational pyramid chart is, then that shows you how that trickles down into everybody else. Absolutely. Um, and that's the, the best way to put a bow on this. Again, if for some reason you are, 
compelled and you might you might have a problem if you are to bet on the Washington Commanders to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> Their odds are plus 30,000. No, I respect it. Like I respect if you're I mean fan is short for fanatic, right? I get it, but <laughs> sure. but understand you might as well take that money and just like here, here's a lighter and let's just burn it. That's exactly right. Moving on to our final part of our time to learn segment. Um, true or false, Trey, the Kansas City Chiefs are the most complete team in the NFL. And I worded this carefully. I didn't say best, no. Super Bowl favorite. I said they are the most complete team in the NFL. I, I think the fairest way to answer that question is that I believe that this is the best team Patrick Mahomes has had around him since he became the full-time starter in 2018. Like, their defense is actually pretty good. Uh, and they don't have Tyreek Hill, obviously, but they have a plethora of weapons at wide receiver in which they can find ways to score. For example, in the Sunday night win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, all three of their tight ends scored in different ways. Travis Kelsey caught a touchdown pass. Jody Fortson caught a touchdown pass. And Noah Grant... Uh, took one from under center and and drove it in for a score. Uh, I don't know if they're a more complete team than Buffalo. So I don't know if I can say that right now. What I can say is that what I've said for many years, the only team that's going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs is probably the Kansas City Chiefs. You look at their one loss last a week before the Sunday night game against Tampa Bay, and we talked about it here on this show on Pro Football Network, uh, where they m- missed four points in the kicking game. Uh, Travis Kelsey dropped a game-winning touchdown. They went for a ridiculous fourth and 14 fake field goal. You know, newsflash, if you're going for it on fourth down, don't put it in the hands of your punter and your holder. Put it in Patrick <laughs> Mahomes' hands. Uh, you know, and then even with all of that, it took a, after a third and eight, a sack of Matt Ryan to be wiped away by a uh, taunting penalty from Chris Jones, who apparently said the most horrible, despicable words in the history of humanity <laughs> uh, to Matt Ryan for that penalty to be called, which was total BS oh, um, for awful. them to, to find a way to lose that game. So yeah. here's what I can say in all honesty and being as, as, uh, as, as uh, what's the word I'm looking for as authentic as I can. Yeah, I think this is the best complete team Patrick Mahomes has had around him. Whether that's good enough to be the most complete team in the NFL ahead of the Eagles or ahead of the, the Bills, we need to take the Zen philosopher approach and say we'll see. Yeah, I, I want to give you credit because it's it's you had said that a few times on the show so far this season that this is the best team in your opinion that Patrick Mahomes has had around him, and. That's actually what inspired me wanting to to have this question in our show tonight because I thought it was such an interesting way to phrase that. And I think it's true. A lot of people would say you lose Tyreek Hill, a top three, top five receiver in the NFL. How could that team be better? But you've done such a good job of articulating throughout your career the importance of roster construction. And when I watch the Chiefs, you you dropped this nugget. By the way, if you're not following Trey, and I think like a million people are, so you – Maybe far a few between. We'll take as many as we want. Yeah. So, any we want to join the party, have fun. We got great but, information. Um, but if you're not, you're missing out on literally that—the best information that's out there. And and you dropped this nugget about Andy Reid. I think he's now ten and two against the number one scoring defenses yeah. in the league. Yeah. That is yeah. an insane statistic. And it goes back to his days covering the Eagles uh, when he was head coach there as well as the Chiefs. But against the number one scoring defense in the NFL, he's now a 10 and two. And he had before dropping 41 on the Bucks, had averaged about 26.2 points per game. His teams had against the number one scoring defense. But let's take it one step further with that real quick. The Bucks went into this game Sunday night, giving up 27 points for the entire season, nine points per game for the first three games. The Chiefs put up 28 on him in the first half. <laughs> now, it's not even that. If Clyde Edwards-Alaire had not dropped a wheel route on fourth and one, where there was no one in front of him, and if Marquez Valdez-Scanling hadn't dropped a pass right in his breadbasket in the chest uh, later in that game, the Chiefs would have hung 50, 50 on the number one scoring defense in the NFL, which leads me to my point, which I've said time and time again. The only team that's going to stop the Chiefs is the Chiefs. 
Yeah. And uh, just worth noting, as we've been doing, and we do this during our time to learn segment, um, the Chiefs are the second favorite, according to Caesar Sports, to win the to, to win the Super Bowl this year at uh, at plus behind Buffalo. Behind, behind Buffalo, yeah. They're, so they're the second team. Buffalo, of course, is one. Um, and guys, it's information like that, as you can see, as to why Trey is the Chief Trends Officer at uh, Caesar Sports, because those types of informations matter when you place your bets and. That's why when you place your bets over at Caesar Sports, we are going to hook you up with an exclusive promo. All right. Um, go to the link that's in our comments. And what you will be able to do there is enter code uh, PFN full. That is PFN full. And, and what that will do is that will get you on your first cash wager a 100% of your stake back as a free bet up to $1,250 and win or lose. You'll also get 1,000 reward credits and 1,000 tier credits exclusively from Caesar Sports. That's promo code PFN full over at Caesar Sports. And to track all your bets across all categories, money line, spread, parlay, make sure you sync your Caesar Sports account with Pickett. To do that, you enter code PFN365. We are trying to hook you up as best we can. Um, okay, uh, moving on to Trey, what I know is a very, very, not just a serious subject around the NFL and its fans, but I know it's a very serious subject for you personally. Um, you know, you, you, you've done a lot of work with the Concussion Legacy Foundation, which is headed up by yep. Chris Lewinsky. Uh, hopefully uh, someone that will join us on more than football student around. He will, by the way, I've talked to him about it. He's going to join us uh, probably in the next couple of weeks on more than football. So stay tuned for that because um, you know, you're uniquely. And by the way, for those of you last year on more than football, Trey and I spent uh, time together, just the two of us talking about CTE and concussions. And it's still our most listened to episode of more than football. You can find that on all of your podcast apps. Uh, Trey, we know, we don't have to get into all the details surrounding Tua Tagovailoa, the Miami Dolphins, and and the ongoing investigation. What I wanted to talk about today was about culpability and responsibility. What we've seen in the aftermath of what happened with Tua, and then again, um, there was another player this week who uh, should have been taken out. Cameron Brayton. Yeah, at Cameron. Yeah, the Tampa Bay game, and he came back in. Um, when it then was ruled that he had had a concussion, should have stayed out. So clearly there's a broken system in place here. Um, and we've seen fans from all over point the fingers at the coaches, point the fingers at the league, at the medical staffs, all these different people. One of the things not being talked about, and we will and we should talk about those things, is is there any responsibility from the fans? Are we as football fans helping perpetuate this problem because ultimately we love to see the hits. We love to see the physicality of football. Are we contributing to this issue? Well, um, I, I think that that's a really great question, Brett. And when I was at ESPN, there used to be a segment on uh, primetime called he got jacked up, Yeah, which was just the big hits. And they, they got rid of that. Uh, because of the sensitivity towards concussions. I think we as fans contribute to it because if we're honest about it to ourselves, we don't care. We don't care about whether or not this player is healthy or whether or not this player is going to be okay after he stops playing for our favorite team because all we want is the immediate reaction and gratification of him doing well for our favorite team. So on that level, yes, I think the answer to your question is there is some sense of that because the NFL has banked on this philosophy forever. No matter what happens to the sport or the players in the sport, we're so addicted to the sport that we just want to see it played. And as soon as something else happens, then we don't care about the thing that was so upsetting to us. So on that level, 100% yes. But all of that is superseded, in my opinion, by everything the NFL and the NFLPA has, air quotes, supposedly done to make sure player safety is the number one concern. I'll give you an example. Uh, before the Tua outrage, 
Uh, there was a play in 2017. It was a game between the Texans and the Niners. Uh, at that time, the Texans quarterback was Tom Savage. And he had a massive hit in the end zone that left him twitching, like twitching on the field. You know, And he went into what's called the fencing pose, where you put your arms in front of yourself. It's an involuntary neurological response to try and protect your body. Uh, he was let back in the game in that game, even though there was a UNC, an unaffiliated neurological consultant at the game, to whose, whose lone job was to spot and monitor those kind of situations and say, that person needs to come out. And now we go to the Tua game, a Sunday against Buffalo, before we get to the Thursday game yeah. uh, against the Bengals. Tua was clearly con concussed. I don't care what tests he passed after being concussed. He was concussed. He was pushed down by Matt Milano. His head whipped back and hit the field. Immediately, he got up and held his head. Then he shook his head to try to clear the cobwebs, stood up, stumbled and fell, and then got back up and had to be helped off the field without his own support of his own body weight by his teammates. All of those things I just mentioned are clear signs of head trauma, brain trauma, and a concussion by the NFL. However, none of those things factored into the concussion protocols in place by the NFL. Um, as long as he passed the test post that hit, which clearly showed all signs of, of mental uh, duress, none of that mattered. That has to change forever. And, you know, Joe Burrow uh, recently went on a show with Colin Cowherd where he said, oh, yeah, I've had parts of games where I don't remember anything. And, and, and I, you know, I, I've had some, I've got my bell rung. By the way, when everyone says they've got their bell rung, that's a concussion. Yep. It's, it's not a, it's not a, on a sliding medical scale, there's not dinged bell <laughs> rung concussion. All right. of those things are an injury to the brain. It's a concussion. The difference, say, between Joe Burrow admitting that and what we saw with our eyes from Tuatonga Vailoa is that we didn't see that from Joe Burrow. We didn't see him go through those things. The Cameron Bray uh, situation you mentioned on Sunday night, ran into one of his own players yeah. and stayed down on the field for, I think, two-plus minutes. They had to call timeout to make sure of it. But he stayed on the field long enough to sort of clear himself so when he stood up, he wasn't wobbly. Um, that's a technicality. He still Great had, a, in my opinion, a concussive hit because he knew I need to stay down because I, if I get up, I may fall over and that's going to be a sign to everybody that I had a concussion. So there was a, there was a technicality, a loophole, if you will, that Cameron Brait was able to sort of use to benefit himself and the team where he probably never should have gone through that, uh, the rest of that game in the first place. Those are the things that need to change yeah. because players need to be protected from themselves. And the, the Dolphins fired the UNC, the unaffiliated neurological consultant, that, that was there for the game against the Bills. That's a scapegoat. That's something that, great, it happened. It's not going to change the problem. What we need to do is change the things that the NFL considers uh, the ability to put you in the concussion protocol. If you whip your head against the turf and then get up and hold your head and then shake your head and then you can't walk and you fall down and someone else has to help you carry off the field – those are symptoms of a concussion, a concussion, a concussion, a concussion, a concussion. That should automatically put you in the concussion protocol no matter what happens uh, after you try and answer how many fingers, what state are you in, whatever they go through. Those things, those five symptoms that we all saw with our eyes should absolutely overload and overweight anything that is a test that happens after the hit. That, that's the most important thing. And again, one other thing on this. Yeah. Both the NFL and the NFLPA felt that something wasn't right, strong enough in the Bills Dolphins game with Tua, that they issued a joint review of the protocols to make sure that everything was followed. Yet Tua was allowed to play Thursday night. How? How in the hell can you allow him to play Thursday night if there's this joint review between the Players Association and the NFL? That hasn't been finished yet. If, if, you, if you think something's fishy 
and something didn't smell right or look right, you cannot in any way, shape, or form allow him to take the field Thursday until the investigation is completed. A failure of procedure, a failure of protocol. Protocols are useless unless they're actually used. Yep. And that didn't happen. And then we, we saw what happened Thursday night. And by the way, that second concussion, which Tua uh, suffered on Thursday night, was even worse because when he slammed his head to the turf again, oh. he didn't do the fencing pose. He did something called the decorticate pose. Oh, so when okay. your fingers lock up like this. We talked about this with Chris Nowinski, whom you mentioned on my show on Mondays with uh, Mark Schlereth on Spotify Live. Upon further review, check it out, sign up, you'll enjoy it. And he said that's a signal that not only is there a concussion, but there's a brainstem and potential spinal cord injury. So what we've seen over four days is that Tua suffered a concussion, and then in the next game, he suffered another concussion, and it was significantly worse, which is, by the way, how this works. Once you have a concussion, you're more likely to have another concussion, and it's more likely to be more severe. This is what ended Steve Young's career. Yep. Uh, the, the, the hit that knocked him out of his, uh, his game was a hit by Aeneas Williams where he barely brushed the side of his chin and Steve was lights out, knocked out on the field. Um, in boxing, if you are knocked out, you cannot do anything for 60 days. Tua was effectively TKO'd Sunday and then Thursday. And that's a crime. The only thing that I can say is that I hope out of this, we realize how severe it is and that Tua is the last guy to go through this. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, there's just so much to, to unpack there. First of all, that that's great information because, you know, a lot of people have now become, it's become colloquial to talk about the fencing position. Um, but what you just described is an entirely different position that Tua was in um, on that, in that game against the Bengals. And what that's indicative of a potential uh, brainstem injury or spinal cord injury. I mean, we are not talking it's, about it's a significantly. Injury, no. It's significantly more intense. Seriously? Yeah, it's and I mean, it's also an injury of the midbrain, which is the midbrain, which which connects the brain uh, to the brainstem and the spinal cord. So you know, and and even worse after this, Mike McDaniel, who actually I, I got to say, I hope he succeeds. I like him. He's a breath of fresh air. When he says after the game, well, the good news is it's only a concussion. And I get what he was trying to say. He was trying right. to say there was no paralysis. He had all feeling in his extremities. That's wonderful. But when you say something, when you word it that way, oh, it's only a concussion. You're telling people, this isn't a problem. Yeah. It's a big problem. Yeah. It's your brain moving around inside your head. Mike needs to be better at that. Uh, and, you know, I find it somewhat interesting, ironic, sadly funny that Tua could play Sunday with a concussion and then play Thursday. And then he's already been ruled out for Sunday's game uh, three days ago with a concussion when they didn't even think about going do, to do that at all the last time around. Like, Tua right. should not play for three weeks. Let's just be least, honest about it. Yeah, Tua should not play for three to four weeks. And even on the flight back, they said, hey, he was watching the movie MacGruber and laughing. No. When you have a concussion, you want to make sure there's no stimulus. You want to make sure that he's in a dark, comfortable place. So there's no nothing that will aggravate the things that have, have rocked his brain inside his skull. All of this has been an unmitigated disaster for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, and you mentioned, I mean, from the, the players' union, this is, this is the thing that, that really gets me on top of everything else we've talked about. You mentioned that the players union launched a joint investigation. It means they were a part of it and they were part and culpable in allowing him to play on Thursday. We've seen what they'll do for players accused of everything from sexual assault to uh, DUI to, you know, aggravated assault. They, they yeah. bring guns a blazing, but in the moments uh, like this, where, where, you know, it, it means dollars for the game in the moment, they failed. They well, failed Tua in this situation. The NFL failed Tua in this situation. And yes, Dolphins fans, the Miami Dolphins 
fail too in this situation. 100%. In my interview with Aaron Borgman, that is now live on YouTube, you should go watch Aaron Borgman, former head trainer with the Philadelphia Eagles and Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I interviewed him on Saturday. It's live on the Football Insiders YouTube channel. Please check that out. I asked him, what is the responsibility of the head coach? Because, Trey, you and I talked about this with Brandon Staley and allowing yeah. Justin Herbert to get back into the game. Correct. And he said that fractured it, rib cartilage. Yeah. And then dropping him back 80% of the throws. <laughs> I mean, it right. plays. Like, what are you doing? Aaron pointed out that the head coach is not involved in the protocol, but, and this is a huge but, the head coach easily could have used his eyes. Correct. Seen the symptoms. We all saw it. We out. all saw it. Correct. Um, and that is where the responsibility is, is just being massively spread across the board. And any of these little, no, it was the, the UNI, it was this guy, it was this guy. It's all bull bleep, bleep. for lack of, lack of a better term. But the, the head coach I, could pull the plug on any of this anytime. at any time. At the, any o- time. The, only, the only thing I want to say about the NFLPA, it, it's, I, look, they, they, they did not do this right. Let's be clear. In the Tua situation, they did not handle it right. But when you start talking about, well, they'll defend uh, Deshaun Watson and all of it, that's their job. Like, that's their job. It's like a defense attorney. Everyone hates defense attorneys until you need one. And then you're like, give me the best guy out there. Like, the NFLPA's existence is based on doing whatever they can to protect the player at all costs. So, yes. You're right. They did all these things. They, you know, they they went to bat for Deshaun Watson. They've done some things with other players that are unseemly, for lack of a better mm. term. But that's literally their job. So I get it. Everyone can have their opinions on that, but understand that's the whole point of them being there. That's the whole point of it. Yeah. Did they fail in the Tua situation? Absolutely. Yeah, I want to be clear. I'm not saying that they shouldn't have done those things. That's what unions do. They got to protect their guys. I just want to see that same energy for things like this. Yeah. Um, and and look, we'll we'll put a bow on this because everything you've said, and I and we're gonna clip this section so you guys can go back because Trey just just brought it tonight with the with this situation. But this is not over today. This is not over tomorrow. And we had this conversation, Trey, you and I, last year on More Than Football with Andrew Brandt when we talked yep. about the John Gruden stuff. Yeah. He said, the league is great. You said this tonight. The league is great. I'm just waiting for this stuff to go away till it's no longer yep. being talked about. There's a, a fan question that will come in a little bit later that, that talks about that. So a little teaser right there that I Looking want to post to. Uh, but let's get to let's get to segment three. This has become very much the most popular segment of our show from the fans. Um, yeah, it is – it is the uh, Super Smash QB matchup of the week. Uh, Brian, our producer, let's uh, let's throw the selector up for our first one. Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray from Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, Trey, this is an interesting matchup because these are two quarterbacks that I think we've come to, and you said this earlier about Jalen, that they are run-first quarterbacks. One of them has used those talents to propel his team into what we're now calling, as it stands now, the best team in the NFL, the only undefeated team in the NFL. The other team team has had some (laughs) challenges, Trey. Between these two quarterbacks, okay, uh, what do you think is going to stand out in this matchup of their two teams? Well, a couple of things, first of all, before we get to this, and I have some great information here. Uh, The Eagles are the last, as we said, as we know, the last undefeated team in football. Uh, The Cardinals last year were the last undefeated team in football. Didn't Mm. work out so well for Arizona. In fact, the last, let me make sure I get this right, the last last undefeated team to go on and win the Super Bowl was the 2006 Colts who started 9 and 0 I believe went on to win Super Bowl 41. So just because you're the last undefeated team is not a clear indication to, you know, buy your Super Bowl memorabilia. It just hasn't happened that way. We're we're going on Super Bowl 57 and it last happened in Super Bowl 41. So that's one thing to consider. Um, the other thing just going into this matchup, uh the Eagles are on the road 
and laying points in Arizona, which is terrible news for Arizona. They have lost and failed to cover in their last seven home games. In fact, the last time the Cardinals lost eight straight home games, they weren't the Arizona Cardinals. They weren't the Phoenix Cardinals. They weren't the St. Louis Cardinals. They were the Chicago Cardinals <laughs> that played in Comiskey Park in the late 1950s. So the Cardinals are on this historic <laughs> trend when it comes to being a home team. So that's to me, that's the most significant thing looking into this quarterback matchup between Jalen Hurts and, and Kyler Murray. And Kyler has been sort of this hit or miss target all year long. He's either going to play really great or he's going to get beat up. Here's the problem for Kyler Murray in this game. This Eagles defense is legitimate. Uh, they are not a one-off. They are not uh, a middle-of-the-pack defense. They're a damn good defense. And Kyler has the propensity to sometimes run around, stay too long in the pocket, and, and get sacked. To me, when we look at the matchups of Jalen Hurts and Kyler Murray, the biggest concern I have in this game is Kyler Murray against that Eagles defense. Yeah. And I think, I, you know, what I'm, what I'm really looking forward to with this matchup is in the offseason, Kyler gets the big contract. We've talked about Cliff Kingsbury's journey. And the clause that was suddenly <laughs> removed. Well, I always love when we feature Kyler in our video game segment, which is this one. So gives, <laughs> us, uh, gives me a nice little chuckle there. Um, but it, it, it's really – these are two quarterbacks that everyone's looking to see more from. They're looking to yeah. see evolution from. And we're going to see if we get it in, uh, in this QB matchup of two very young, exciting quarterbacks – but they've got to take that next step. The same way we hold coaches accountable for don't just be a culture builder, be a winner. Don't just yeah. be exciting, be a winner. And so we'll see how that goes. And by the way, if you are playing the pick up the pick them game on underdog, okay, on underdog, you're higher or lower on Jalen Hurts, 318 and a half total yards. That's passing and rushing. 318 and a half total yards. And of course, Kyler Murray has that same total yards um play there at 263 and a half total yards take both in your pick them put them both on your roster jalen hurts higher or lower kyler murray higher or lower there as well uh brian throw up the next selector please From MNT Bank Stadium in Baltimore, it's going to be Lamar Jackson going against the AFC, defending AFC champion Joe Burrow in a big AFC North matchup. Trey, in the last two weeks, going against the AFC East, Joe Burrow's gotten the Bengals back on track. Conversely, in the last two out of the last three weeks, the Ravens have seen some epic losses in which they had the lead late in the game. What about this matchup is most interesting to you? Well, let's let's uh, let's take a look at some really delicious nuggets that I have uh, the best. on this game. Uh, first of all, the uh, the Ravens are at home, and that is apparently a massive problem. They have lost their last five home games by a combined average of twelve points. By no, by a total. I'm sorry, by a total of just twelve points. Uh, no other team has lost five straight home games by a, a total combined points of less than fifteen. So they have been like Edgar Allan Poe, who, you know, the Baltimore Ravens, that's the whole port of why they're the name the Baltimore Ravens. He wrote about the telltale heart. Ravens home games have been the telltale heartbreak. They cannot find a way to win games. Uh, in fact, the last, the only two home games they played this year, one was the Dolphins 21 point comeback in the fourth quarter. And they had a 17 point lead on the Buffalo Bills on Sunday and still found a way to lose. Why is that significant? Well, wait a minute. That's why I'm here. There have been four games already this season, four, in which a team has come back from 17 points or more down to either win or tie. The Ravens have been involved in two of those games. In other words, 
They are the anti-Mariano Rivera's. They cannot close. They have all kinds of issues finishing a game. Uh, and then you have Joe Burrow coming in, who as a road underdog, oh, he likes that. Uh, Joe Burrow has won at least his five last road starts as a dog, including a pair of postseason wins. The only player with a longer streak in that scenario uh, is Eli Manning, who won seven straight games as a road underdog between 2007 and 2008, including a game you might have heard of, Super Bowl 42, uh, when they were road underdogs uh, to the New England Patriots and uh, the Patriots lost their only uh, game of the year when they were trying to close out the perfect season. So this is a problem for the Ravens who cannot close games and have lost two games in epically horrible fashion. And a guy in Joe Burrow who thrives in these situations. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it, it's such an interesting matchup. Arif Hassan, again, uh, a columnist here at pro football network, one of the best and one of the smartest. He'll be joining us on the show every so often moving forward, but he wrote an excellent piece today about, this is one of the most mediocre clumps of mediocrity we've seen in the NFL with so many two and two teams, so many. Uh, and, and there's a question that just came into the comments that talks a little bit about this, that the Bengals sitting at two and two, the Ravens sitting at two and two, but both are teams that we still just inherently want to say are playoff contenders. And this game will go a long way. I think towards deciding that. To that point, yeah. if I may. Please do. Uh, the last five games between these two teams, uh, the smallest margin of victory was 20 points. They do not do close games between these two. <laughs> right. In fact, to take that one step further, we'll make sure you get this right. Uh, again, I said at least 20 points has been the deciding factor between the last five meetings between these two. That hasn't happened in six consecutive regular season meetings for two opponents since the Rams and Packers did it from 1949 to 1951. Wow. So we are we are seeing an outlier of incredible outlier proportions in how these teams have played against each other the last five times they've met. My good my goodness, man. It's it's we've we've had a 1949 reference. We've had a Chicago Cardinals reference. <laughs> this is this is shaving up to be our best episode ever. Um, by the way, guys, uh, in this matchup, Joe Burrow can also be found on underdog. You can add him, by the way, to your roster of Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts. Add Joe Burrow to that roster. Have a chance to win 6x your money there. And you got Joe Burrow, um, higher or lower, 272.5 passing yards. Remember, Hurts and Murray were total yards, passing and rushing. For Burrow, it's higher or lower, 272 passing yards play all three on your roster hit all three have a chance to uh win 6x your 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 uh, deposit there on that with underdog fantasy and their pick them game all you have to do is look for your favorite or least favorite player stats and pick whether you think they'll end up higher or lower as i just said and yeah in that scenario you can win 6x but you can actually win up to 20 times your money in a single night by playing up to five players on your roster. Super simple to get started. Just head to underdogfantasy.com and sign up with promo code PFN. That's all you got to do. Go to underdogfantasy.com, sign up with promo code PFN, and underdog is going to double your first deposit up to $100. Underdog, uh, underdogfantasy.com, promo code PFN. Get your first deposit up to $100 doubled. And additionally, if you deposit at least $10, you'll also get a free month subscription to PFN Pass where you can see our More Than Football episodes that Trey and I are talking about, plus our uh, full feature film documentary on Cleveland sports fans and a whole bunch of other things out there. Um, reconnect to the game of football with interactive experiences, proprietary research, and educational courses. That's right. I got a whole course on fantasy football uh, 100 and 200 level over on PFN Pass, underdogfantasy.com, promo code PFN. Get in on the action today. Trey, one last thing before we get to our fan questions very quickly, because I noticed that uh, there's a very, and by the way, I've hit on the last two of these. I want to personally thank you because the Trey Wingo <laughs> Super Boost over at Caesar Sports has been a great moneymaker for me personally. 
Um, and this week's Trey Wingo's uh, super boost over at Caesar Sports, you can go get that now, um, is Russell Wilson over 259 and a half pass yards and over one and a half passing touchdowns. This is another QB matchup, Trey. You got Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson, two quarterbacks on the backsides of their careers here. That are struggling. Let's just and be honest are, about it. They are struggling, struggling, okay? Yeah. Like the Seahawks moved uh, Russell to uh, Denver, Geno Smith across the board, whom they didn't want to start. We talked about this. They wanted Drew Locke to win the job. Geno Smith has better numbers across the board uh, than Russell Wilson has right now. Yeah, it's it's he's Geno Smith is actually doing better than a lot of quarterbacks right now, which is which is really, really interesting. But, you know, with with this team, the, the Colts have been, as you've you've pointed out quite articulately, they've been a just a massive disappointment this season. Usually they get off to fast starts, uh, Trey, and, and they fade uh, towards the end of the season this year. They are just really, really having a hard time. Uh, get getting it on track, uh, getting shut out in week two. Um, and then the, the Broncos with Russell Wilson just hasn't worked out the way they wanted to. But that being said, tomorrow's another day. Trey Wingo super boost over at Caesar Sports. Uh, Russell Wilson over 259 and a half pass yards and over one and a half passing touchdowns. Again, Caesar Sports. We talked about Caesars today. We talked about underdog. Sync both of those accounts with Pickett. Download the Pickett app, enter code PFN365, and have a chance to win $100. Guys, I keep hitting you over the head with this because we're trying to help you win some money. I think everybody likes that. So go take advantage of all those different things. That's the things. point. That's the whole point. And that's the whole point. All those links are in the comments. So make sure you do that. But now, to close out the show, Trey, it is time for fan questions. And we have a great one. From one of our one of our both of our good friends, Mr. Ryan O'Donnell. Ryo, uh, right jumping on. in here with a great question. Uh, anyone that pumps money into the ecosystem is responsible for allowing it to continue. Some reference to concussions. I think the interesting question is: Do the fans have a way to influence the NFL and various decision makers? No. I yeah. Mean, no. I mean, like if if they cared, yes, but. If they cared, meaning the fans or the NFL? If if the if the fans cared, I mean, yeah. like, whenever someone gets, and again, I'm I'm not denigrating anybody. I'm just I'm just speaking practical realities. Okay. Yeah. At the end of the day, like, if all the people that said I'm never watching an NFL game didn't watch an NFL game, yeah, something would happen. But weirdly, that never happens. No. Uh, last year, seventy seventy five of the top one hundred watch shows on TV were NFL games. <laughs> the year before that, it was 72. The year before that, it was 78. So unless in droves that are unheard of in the history of tracked viewing since television existed, change tomorrow, there isn't. Yeah. Because we're all addicted. I always say football isn't America's pastime. It's America's addiction. We make up ridiculously stupid lists when it's not football season about football just so we have something to talk about related to football until football comes back like that that's that's the that's the blatant reality of all of it yeah. and um the nfl is always bank like we talked about it like last year as you said with the john gruden emails who's talking about that anymore yeah it, we were so upset yeah. with them at the time it yep. was horrendous it was awful now it's like well, can the Raiders fire Josh McDaniel? You know, or, uh, what, what's going on? And and the commanders, can they can they find a way to turn around because Carson Wentz sucks? Like, yeah. we are always, as a populace, looking at the shiny new thing and not thinking about the thing that it's it's like Twitter. Okay, Twitter is the perfect example of our football uh, sort of passion. We get so outraged about something on Twitter until tomorrow. When we get more outraged about something, we forget about how outraged we were about something yesterday. Yep. And that's how that's how as a as a fan base we consume the NFL. Yeah. And I saw this this week, why I even threw it into the, the question and you can go back and watch this, our, our second segment of the show tonight, is uh the way the Miami Dolphins fans responded to this entire situation. Many of them were certain he did not have a concussion against the ball. Oh, he he oh. had a back injury and the league Brett, was out to get the Brett. Dolphins. It's it's rough, I, I, man. 
I have, a, I have a really great story about that. A person who I really like and respect and will not name, but a person I worked with for many years tweeted something about, yeah, LOL, love all these internet doctors. At Chris Nowinski, by oh. the way. And I was like, bro, you need to step back. Do you even know who you're talking to? He said, well, I know who he is, but he didn't have a concussion last, last week. I said, no, that's not true. We don't know whether or not he had a concussion last week. We know that after what, by all symptoms, physically with our eyes, appeared to be a concussive hit, he passed some sort of bullshit test. Okay? So don't tell me that, A, all these internet doctors. And if, if, if it was such a clear thing that he had a back injury and not a head injury, which is what they said to begin with, why did they have a joint review between the NFL and the NFL, NFLPA over the procedure that allowed him to go back into the game? Yep. Like, it's just don't do that ridiculous garbage. Like, don't – my friend Sean Salisbury used to always say, don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. And I feel like that's what the NFL and the Dolphins and the Dolphins yep. tried to do to us last week. He's Tua left the game with a head injury. Tua, Tua is back after suffering a back injury. Uh, what? Never once touched his back. Never once did. Oh, he did this. He did this. And he fell down. None yep. of that is a back injury. You can say whatever you want about whatever test he passed. He had a concussion. And everybody needs to understand that. Yep, absolutely. Um, well said. Let's move on to the second question. Comes to us from Tyler Olson. It's more of a comment than a question, but I'm going to use it as sort of our true or false here related to power rankings in the moment, right now, if the season ended today. Is Lamar Jackson your MVP? Well, I, is he a LOL MVP? Is that what that question says? It says La MVP Jackson instead of Lamar. It's a play oh, on. Well, the look. Lamar's played very well, but for being honest about it, even though I hated the decision to go forward on fourth down when you're in a tie game with four minutes play, kick the freaking field goal yeah. with Justin Tucker, the play was there. Yeah, and Lamar was. missed it. it he was. missed it. He flat Quite out it. missed it. And he was looking that way. 100% flat out did not see it or did not comprehend it. Uh, it was Duvernay who was – I mean, he was five, seven yards open in the, in the right to right middle corner of the end zone. And Lamar never found him or saw him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't give you the MVP if you miss a play like that at this point. Can't do it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's move on to the final question of the night. This will help you how we close out our show. It comes from Brian Mahaffey. Are the Giants the worst three and one team ever? Or do the 11 and 0 Steelers have them beat? I, I'm not actually sure what year that's from, but these that was, Giants two, that was 2020. That was the 2020 Steelers that went 11 and 0 and then lost three of their last five games, I think. Oof. The, uh, these Giants, though, at three and one, this does not look like this is what I mean about this conglomeration of mediocrity. Yeah. Talk to us well, about the Giants team. Well, well, first of all, to the, to the 11 and 0 Steelers, like that was uh, an amazing year by Mike Tomlin, who still never had a losing season in the NFL. <laughs> he might be headed there this year. Let's yeah, just be clear about that. Yeah. Uh, but there are a lot of people that had some concerns about, but at least they went 11 and 0, like 11 and 0 is a hundred times better than three and one. So let's not compare that. That's not apples to apples. That's apples to, you know, asparagus. They're not the same <laughs> thing in any way, shape or form. Right. Um, the Giants are a terrible three-in-one team, okay? I'll give the Giants credit for these two things. One, they have a really good defense. Two, Saquon Barkley is fantastic. And it's great to see him back and being Saquon Barkley after the last two years where he was injured. But they're awful, okay? They're an awful football team. Yeah. That just happens to be three-in-one. They threw for 71 yards Sunday. <laughs> 71 yards they de-evolved offenses. They'll say they're setting football back to 1949 Chicago Cardinals. You you never apologize for a win because there are no style points on a scorecard. There's no artistic merit or artistic impression or judges, whatever. You either win the game or you lose the game. But there there might be the ugliest three and one. I have like, for example, the Chiefs are three and one, and the Giants are three and one. All three and ones are not the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, that's the best way to say it. All three and ones are not the same. I won't even try to piggyback onto that because 
speaks for itself. Uh, he is Trey Wingo. I am Brett Yaris. We are Pro Football Network. Football you are Brettiverse, my man. Brettiverse. Brettiverse. That's it. Um, all right. We will be back with you next Wednesday. Um, or actually, there may be a different day because I think Trey's got some schedule stuff coming up, right? Yeah, I'll be in uh, I'll be in uh, D.C. on Wednesday night for the uh, Capitals home opener for Caesar Sportsbook. So we're excited about that. So we'll do the show either Tuesday night or Thursday night, whatever you want, and we'll make it happen. All right. So we'll see you then next week. We'll be live as we always are, taking your questions, taking your concerns, and giving you nothing but the best in sports talk for pro football. We'll see you next week.